Good morning. I'm Pastor Tom. I'm pastor of small groups and discipleship here at Rockbrook. Did you know that you can be a believer without faith? I've got a couple of verses here that I want to read to you. First one's out of James 2.19. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He's talking to believers without faith. That was my story. I believed about God. I even prayed. I can't count how many times I heard the message of salvation and said, I'm in. I was a believer without faith. I wanted to remain in my current lifestyle, but I wanted the benefits of being a Christian. I wanted the fire insurance. I wanted the life insurance. I wanted the awesome retirement plan that Christ offered, but I didn't want to change my lifestyle. I just wanted to check in with Jesus every once in a while, go over my portfolio, and just go back to my old ways. So I'm a Christian now. What happened? What changed? Well, I surrendered my old life. God gave me a new life. He went beyond the external. He changed my heart and He changed my mind by giving me the power of the Holy Spirit. God is so loving that He just keeps on giving. You know, He gives us His Son as a free gift, but He also gives us His Spirit that lives and resides in us. The Spirit of God guides us. It counsels us and shows us how to live this new life that Jesus offers us. And this is God's plan and purpose for us. It was His plan from the beginning. Let's look at Romans 8.29. God knew what He was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love Him along the same lines as the life of His Son. The Son stands first in the line of humanity He restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Him. So how do we live this new life? How do we live this life that Jesus offers us? Well, we're going to look at a great theme in the Old Testament about this new life, and then we're going to look at a teaching of Jesus in the New Testament And I want to start with a promise. And it is given 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. It's in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. And God makes this promise of a new way of living. He says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, 
the third member of the Trinity. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's living the life that Jesus lived. We can have that same life. And 600 years before Christ is born, God says something really, really amazing is going to happen. He's going to take out your heart of stone, your rebellious heart, your self-righteous heart, and He's going to give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that is going to be tender towards God and towards the things of God. He will make a new person, give you a new identity, a new life. God says the result that we will obey the Scriptures and we will walk with God. That's what it means to be a Christian. When the Bible speaks of our heart, it's not talking just about the physical organ. It's talking about the very center, the very essence of who we are. You know, we have this same concept when we talk about getting to the heart of the matter. And God is telling the Jews, you won't go to a holy place to worship me anymore. God is saying, I will come. I will be with you. I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to come into the very center of who you are and I am going to dwell there and I am going to be with you and you are going to be with me. You don't have to go to a holy place anymore. And God's people were looking forward to this great occasion. They waited 600 years for this new life. And then the Lord Jesus comes. God comes into human history. God adds to His divinity humanity. God takes on human flesh. He comes to walk with us, to be with us. And here's what's so important. Our new life does not start with us walking with God. Our new life starts with God coming to walk with us. The Bible tells us that as Jesus is preaching and teaching, He has an insightful conversation in John 3 with a man named Nicodemus. Now I want to tell you a little bit about Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Pharisees believed that the Old Testament was the inspired Word of God. They believed in a coming Messiah. They believed in the resurrection. Pharisees were conservative, conservative, religious, devout folks. If anyone was going to go to heaven based on what they did for God or what they knew about God, Nicodemus would be that guy. So let's look at this in John 3, verses 1 through 8. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. Like I said, he's a a religious guy. He's a religious leader. And this man comes to Jesus by night. He's perhaps coming to Jesus by night because he didn't want to see people see him associate with Jesus. But he's seen some of the things that Jesus has done, and he's curious about him, so he comes to talk to Jesus, and he says to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one could do these these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus is saying, Jesus, look, we saw you take the Lunchable and feed the stadium. We saw you water ski without a boat. And we've got a committee together, and we're really curious about this, so I'm here to inquire about that. But Jesus answers him and says, Truly, truly, 
which means I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth. We need to remember this, that Jesus tells the truth. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus, probably like you, is very, very confused here. But on top of that, this is what, Jesus, or this is what Nicodemus is hearing Jesus saying. He's saying, Nicodemus, I know you're a religious guy, but unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. But, just like Jesus does for us, he continues teaching, he's patient. Jesus answers in verse 5 and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear its sound. You do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we have a birth of water and a birth of Spirit. Old Nick is confused here. And there's a a debate among scholars about what the birth of water means. There are various positions on this, and I have one. I believe born of water is repentance. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus about the kingdom of God. And throughout the scriptures, there is a message of repentance preached. You hear this term a lot in the scriptures, in the New Testament. Repent, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Look at this verse with me in Acts 2.28. It says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, repentance is the inward change of the heart. And baptism is the outward proclamation of what happened inwardly. And Nicodemus in the story is a moral man. He is a good man. He is a high respected man of society. He is doing everything that his religion requires him to do. He gives of his money generously. He serves others. He knows some scripture. In every way, we would consider him a moral, upright man. You know, sometimes the story of Christianity is that God loves and saves those who have bought him out, that their life has completely fallen apart. And that is true. And if you're here today and that is you, I want you to know that Jesus loves you and this message is for you. But God also loves and pursues and needs to save those that have not yet bottomed out. Nicodemus is not poor. He's doing fine. He's, filled with all, he's not filled with all kinds of obvious external sin. His life is in control. He is not one that is atheist or agnostic. He is one that believes in God. He has some knowledge of Scripture, but he's not right with God. Jesus tells him, Nicodemus, you must be born again if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. So how many of you are like Nicodemus? You're not a bad person. 
Maybe you show up for church every weekend. Maybe you've taken a life development class or two. Maybe you're in a small group or you have a ministry. Here's the big idea. You're not born again until you, re- you surrender your old life and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for your new life. The line into God's kingdom is a single file line. We need to have our own faith. This is the heart of the matter. And some of you may think that you're born into faith, that you grew up in a good Christian home and that saves you. You know, you can be baptized as a baby and not believe. These kinds of decisions were made for you, not by you. My question is, have you been born again? You know, if you're here today and you'd say, I'm a good person, I'm a moral person, I'm a spiritual person, I believe in God, I, have a, I live a good life. God's word to Nicodemus is God's word to you. You must be born again. And you're born again by turning from sin and trusting in Jesus, by acknowledging that you have fallen short of why God made you. And that Jesus has lived the perfect life that you were unable to live. And that Jesus has risen and He's conquered Satan. He's conquered death. He's conquered sin. And He's given you the gift of eternal life. And all you have to do is receive it by faith. If you're here and you're not sure you are, you're not sure you're a Christian, or you're sure that you're not a Christian, or maybe you have questions, I would encourage you to fill out this communication card and just write on it. I want to be a Christian. I'm not sure if I am a Christian. I have questions. Write those questions out. And we want, we'll have somebody contact you. We want to help you. I want you to live the new life. So this is, this is the conversation that they're having. Religion is not enough. You must be born again. Your new birth is spiritual by the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in the Christian. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He's a person. And Jesus uses this analogy that He's very powerful like the wind. And this is the picture of what we see Jesus explaining to Nicodemus. He's saying you are spiritually lifeless. You're dead. You're not growing. You're not changing. You're not dancing. You're not soaring. But when we're born again, the Holy Spirit fills us like the wind fills a kite. And this is the power of God through the person, the presence, and the power of of the Holy Spirit. God gives you a new life to walk with Jesus. He gives us the power because in our own strength, we cannot live a moral, righteous life. I'd always, I'd encourage you to be continually, to read God's Word. And in in it, you're going to hear words like born again, newborn, new birth, new creation, new man, alive together in Christ, created in Christ. The Bible uses a lot of language that describes the moment when God's people are born again by God's Spirit. So I want to take a look at five ways that the Holy Spirit helps us to live the new life. It's there on your outline. Here's the first one. When you're born again, you become a new person. And Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.17 
he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Circle that word, new creation. That's the language of the new birth. The old has passed away and the new has come. I really need you to understand this because I think this is one of the myths and the misunderstandings that Christians adhere to is that when you become a Christian, that you're forgiven of your sins, but it's still the old you. You're not just forgiven, you are made brand new. You are given a new life. You're a new person, a new creation in Christ. The Bible speaks of God's people as holy, as saints, as the redeemed. Jesus has taken our sins and He has given us His righteousness. So we, we are now a new people. Not just the forgiven version of the old me. I am Tom Stoltz 2.0. God works at the deepest levels in our heart to change us forever. And we show this in baptism. That Jesus lived without sin. That He died. He was buried in our place for our sins. And on the third day He rose again conquering death so we could be born again. When we are baptized, we are showing people what Jesus did for me internally, in my heart. That old way of life. That old me is dead. He's buried. I'm now a new person following Jesus Christ. We have some individuals that are going to get baptized at the end of this service. And they're getting baptized because they've become a Christian. And some of them are being baptized because they've been a Christian and they've never been baptized before. But it's their way of publicly declaring to us that they trust in Jesus Christ. That they are burying their old life. And they're receiving the new life. Walking in the new life that Jesus Christ has given them. They are one that is born again. Number two, when you're born again you get a new mind. In 1 Peter 2.2 it says, like newborn infants, circle that word newborn. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in salvation. When you're born again, you have a new appetite. It's a spiritual appetite. You're hungry for the Word of God. You want to read God's Word. You want to study God's Word. You can't get enough of it. You know, prior to your new birth, you didn't care much for God's Word. That was my experience. I can remember in my early 20s, before I was born again, I went over to a friend's house, and he had a Bible sitting on the coffee table, and I picked it up, and I tried to read it, and it made absolutely no sense to me. Three years later, I'm on the football field at Arrowhead Stadium, surrendering my life to Christ. And the Christian helped me, gives me a New Testament Bible. And in the following two days, I read the entire New Testament. And to this day, I cannot get enough of God's Word. Why do I hunger for God's Word? Because I've been born again. Your mind starts to change. You start to think differently. You start to think biblically. God gives you a new mind. Number three, when you are born again, you get a new power. And here's the big idea. It's not just following Jesus by our own power. It's following Jesus by God's power. Romans 8, 12 through 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh 
And when the Bible speaks of the flesh, it's speaking of the old way, the old life, the sinful life. So then, brothers, we are not debtors. We are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How did Jesus live his life? How did he overcome temptation? How did he grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men? How did he do that? He did it through the presence, the power, and the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was God. Jesus is God. But he lived like a man while he was here on earth. Jesus did get tired just like we get tired. Jesus suffered just like we suffer. Jesus had to learn just like we have to learn. And how did he do that? He did it by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus dies. He rises. He ascends. And he sends us the Holy Spirit. Just as the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, the Holy Spirit is now available to us. We can follow Jesus by God's power. We don't have to do it in our own power. God does everything for us. He is a giving God. Number four, in addition to those who are born again, we receive a new love. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. There's that language again. Born of God. The Trinity is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they love one another. They are in perfect union and communion with one another. They care for one another. They enjoy being with one another. God made us in His image, and before sin enters the world, He said, it is not good for man to be alone. We need each other. We need God to love us, and we need to love God and to love others. That's the great commandment. And this is where the church family comes in. God is our Father. Jesus is our saving brother. And you and I are brothers and sisters because we're in Christ, and Christ is in us. We are unified through the Spirit of God. And part of what it means to be born into a family is that you love your family. And part of what it means to be born into a church family is that you love that church family. And this is why Rockbrook small groups are more than Bible studies. Our small groups are biblical community where we get to love and serve each other. Small groups are where we are doing life together by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the good news. If you love one another, the whole world sees that. And we attract a crowd. It shows that we are a family, that we love one another. And people want that. People want to be loved. And what really holds it all together is the Father's love through the Holy Spirit. Number five, those who are born again have new desires. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 but I say walk by the Spirit. There again, that's how we follow Jesus. It's by the Spirit, not in our own power. Walk by the Spirit. 
And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh is the old sinful way. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Look at that. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You know, there's this horrible, horrible teaching out there that Christianity is a list of things that I have to do, but I don't want to do. But that's not true. Those who are born again, they receive new desires, deep desires. You'll be tempted to sin, just like Jesus was tempted to sin. But the answer is to live more passionately, pursuing your deepest desires, the desires that the Holy Spirit gives you. And the truth is, is if you're born again, you don't have to read your Bible. You want to read your Bible. You don't have to repent of sin. You want to repent of sin. You don't have to be in communion with God's people. You want to be in communion with God's people. You don't have to be generous. You want to be generous. You don't have to evangelize. You want to evangelize. The Christian life is God placing His will in His people so that His will and our will are in perfect union and communion with one another. And that's what it says in Psalms 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will place His desires on your heart. And then your life will be filled with passion, filled with pleasure, filled with joy, filled with purpose, because you're doing what you were made to do, to walk with Jesus in the Holy Spirit, to enjoy the grace of God together forever, with God's people. So here's the big idea. You can't live the new life in Jesus unless you're born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you're born again, you get a new life. And the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you and makes you a new person. He gives you a new mind. He gives you a new power to live by, a new love, and new desires. We're going to sing in a minute. You know why? Not because we have to, but because we want to. But first, I'm going to pray for you, not because I have to, but because I want to. And it all starts with repentance. And repentance just means making a U-turn. An about face. You say, Jesus, I'm sick of the old way of living. I want the new life that you offer me, and you fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. So let's bow our heads. If you're here today, and you want this new life, I just encourage you to pray along with me. Think about the words. You just say, Jesus, I surrender. I'm tired, I'm worn out. I've realized today that the life I'm living is contrary to the life you offer me. And Father, I acknowledge that I have fallen short of why you have made me. I acknowledge that Jesus has lived the perfect life that I have not lived. That Jesus died the death I should have died. And that Jesus has risen to conquer Satan, sin, and death. To give me the gift of eternal life, the new life. 
Our Heavenly Father, we praise You for our new life. You not only give us the gift of eternal life through Your Son, You give us the gift of the Holy Spirit that teaches us how to live the way we're supposed to live. Fill us with Your Spirit, with a new mind, a new love, new desires, a new power, so Your name will be, do- your name will be the glorified Lord. We, we receive this by faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.